Welcome to Patient Stories. My name is Dr. Bertrand Liang, and these are episodes about some remarkable people whom I've met through the opportunity of being a physician, failing in medicine. Sven was a quiet, gray-haired young man who entered my clinic soon after I'd finished training, after being referred from the emergency department, coming in after having a seizure, at least by report. He was well known by the staff due to his chronic issues with alcohol abuse and the fact that he was so unlike others brought in after an event. He was always neat with a clean t-shirt and jeans, Nike running shoes, clean shaven, and almost no evidence of significant social or economic maladaptive behaviors. He was quite soft-spoken, and the hesitant low tone made it hard at times for me to hear what he was saying. When he first started speaking, he noted to me that he'd had seizures since childhood and had taken a number of different medications that had treated his seizure disorder quite well, from Dilantin to Tegretol. He had been quite diligent about being compliant, but when he moved from D.C. to our area, he had not continued his medication, and that was at least a couple of years ago. Why didn't you find another doctor or fill your prescriptions? I asked him with the usual non-judgmental tone. Sven told me that he'd been getting more and more anxious, and he didn't like to go to the pharmacy, which he felt was just too claustrophobic for him. Well, how do you feel about being in our clinic? There was a pause, and Sven noted to me that he almost felt more comfortable in the hospital setting, where all the white coats and medical staff gave him comfort, something that almost no other place did. This was, to say the least, surprising to me. More often, patients didn't like coming to the hospital or clinic because they felt intimidated by the presence of patients with disease, or they had issues with mortality, or they were just feeling the oppressiveness of our sterile appearing environment, which was uncomfortable. In contrast, Sven found this to be a kind of relief, something that made him feel less anxiety than outside of it. Sven noted that he needed to drink alcohol from the time he rose in the morning to going to bed at night as he noted, just to get through. For him, it was the gin or whiskey or vodka or even beer that took the sharp edge off of life and allowed him some level of respite to move through the daily rituals. For the latter, it was both a challenge and a tragedy at the same time as he described it. Sven had no address, and he lived out of his truck, itinerant to various shelters where he'd always be sure he had a shower and be able to do his laundry during times when most other homeless were not around. He'd found churches and other spiritual venues where he could be alone most of the time, sitting in pews with a small flask of ethanol-based liquid with him, in which he'd imbibe selectively and surreptitiously in order to, as he noted, treat his nerves and dull his mind. He'd walk miles along the river with said flask, attended to almost nothing except the dullness afforded by the alcohol. Sven noted that the only time he would run into a problem is if he'd not drink enough and he'd have a seizure, where he'd wake up either in a familiar or more often than not unfamiliar place and need to clean himself up, something which was a necessary part of his life, but once he noted with resigned tone. When I asked Sven where he worked, he noted with that very quiet, hesitant voice, I don't work, doctor. I cannot even think that I could go to a place and do things with other people. I could not handle that. I asked how he was able to afford his clothes and his food and the alcohol. The answer was memorable and surprised me. 
Apparently, Sven's parents had been somewhat wealthy, and while they had passed years ago before he had finished high school, they had left him a trust fund, which he received a stipend every month, to which he would be an heir to in a couple of years. In fact, Sven admitted that he didn't really need to live in his truck, but he could not conceive of having to go and have responsibilities of a home or an apartment with expenses and responsibilities that would just be too overwhelming for him. He was happy, as he said, with his truck, his ATM card, and the charity of the churches that allowed him to respite. The only thing that he wanted from the clinic was that he wanted to know if there were any other ways he could avoid having seizures, with the exception of the medications. I told Sven that for his health, he really needed to see psychiatry, as well as continue to be followed for his seizures. I tried to be as gentle as I could making these recommendations, and I did note that he stiffened up a bit, particularly when I noted that there really were no herbs or non-pharmacologic therapies that I could think of that could quell his seizures. Well, I can keep doing what I'm doing, he noted, looking down at his Nike shoes. It really doesn't matter much. I just don't like it when I pee in my pants. I tried to convince Sven that the best thing for him was to get all of his issues, neurologic and psychiatric, addressed, that it would be for the betterment of his overall health, that this would be the right thing to do, especially since he was young, and that there are many different types of treatments that were available to him. I remember the look Sven gave me then, one which was filled with tragedy as well as an almost sad smile. You aren't the first doctor to think that you can change my life, but no one can. I survive, and that's enough. I tried once more to control and beg Sven to get care, but he was gently dismissive. If you can just give me that prescription for Tegretol, I would appreciate it. Maybe I'll try to get it filled sometimes. Thank you. I tried to make a follow-up appointment to have Sven come back and see me, But after getting the prescription, he walked out of the clinic without stopping at the front desk. I stood there for a moment, lost in thought. For some reason, I felt just devastated. I couldn't reach the patient at all. He didn't have the desire to care for himself outside of the life he was living. I couldn't convince him that maybe, just maybe, we could help him. This was one of those times where we see the problem, but can't do anything about it that we may well have the clinical acumen to recognize pathology, but are unable to turn it into a treatment endeavor for the benefit of the patient. It was a reminder that while we can't succeed in medicine in many ways, we can also fail in ways that have nothing to do with our skills from training, but rather from our inability to convince patients of what we think the right thing is for their own health, which is a severely human limitation. I turned and headed for the conference room. Upon arriving, I sat down and sighed, and with a pit in my stomach and a chart in my hand, started to dictate. Thank you for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy, and find peace.